coming at you. Hey now, it's the weekend. It's payday. It's time to grab a beer. It's Brewing Company. Roll the open. I think when you put a tuxedo on a turd, some people forget that it stinks. Because, oh, look how nice it is. Yeah, but it smells like ass. All right, number one is a single with cheese. Number two is a... Oh, wait a second. How did you get here? Because as professional as I am, I'm also a child. I still think farts are hilarious. Welcome in, everybody, and welcome back to the 48th episode of Brewing Company. I am your host, Matt Brubaker. And if you guys have listened for a while, I think you know who's joining me today. It's my two guys, as we title it, the Buckeye guys in the group chat. So we welcome back in Chris Shepner and Tyler Reed. Uh, we were going to have Shep on early just for a quick talk and just kind of catch up because Tyler had things to do. But then uh, it was a little curveball thrown since it is the baseball playoffs this week. Uh, Shep had to throw a little curveball. He had to take a phone call that delayed the start, and it was from nature. And I think <laughs> that phone line was what, line two? Is that correct, Shep? Yeah, sometimes you got to make that call and you got you to gotta answer. <laughs> you can't send certain people to voicemail. If mom no. calls, you take that call. When nature calls, you take that call as well. Mm -hmm. So all three yeah. of us are here for the whole episode. So uh, Shep, will let you uh, sit down and breathe a couple seconds. I'll say hi to Tyler first. Tyler, welcome in, my friend. How are you doing today, buddy? Oh, I'm doing good. I missed uh, missed you guys in the off week. I know it was the the off week for the the podcast as well, but I feel like there was just a lot to a lot to get into um last week and we had to kind of sit idly by so uh missed you guys glad to be back as always well, i'm glad to have you you're right both the buckeyes and the show had a bye week and i think the bye week from a buckeye fan standpoint was much needed and well deserved i see tyler is missing some of the hair on top i assume haircut you didn't pull it out from the notre dame game it was simply scissors or razors correct that is correct. I have, and my wife hates it. I have a, a piece of my beard that's right below my lip that I always curl up into my mouth and chew on when I'm anxious. <laughs> I and I think, I think I about chewed it off during the, the Notre Dame game. And uh, after that, it was declared that it was time for a haircut. So, oh, God. <laughs> dude, you probably saw when, and Tyler, when we worked at State Auto, the different uh, rebel looks that I had. I had the full beard for a while and then i had the cabbage patch which is just like the the chin stuff but i used for the longest time had that little is it a soul patch which it just it's like north and south from the lip down to the chin but when i grew that out long man i'd curl it up and just kind of do something like that so you do that too this is why we're friends man that's hilarious and you probably yeah. bit it all off that saturday night that was scary as oh, hell yeah. that night. Uh, yeah. we'll we'll talk about that a little bit but Shep, how are you doing after you've uh, visited uh, the throne and answered Mother Nature's call? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm feeling lighter, ready to go. Uh, I, yeah, I I feel like this has happened to us two years in a row now where the Buckeyes get a big win. And then there's a week off of the show, a week off of games. And then it's just kind of like, oh, okay, that did happen. It feels like it was yesterday, but at the same time, it feels like it was 10 years ago. And because we watched Notre Dame play in primetime the second week in a row and almost blow it. And most years I would be rooting for that. A, I Notre Dame minus five and a half ticket made me not root for that. Uh, th thank you for that two point conversion. Uh, getting that late. I really appreciate that boys, but oh my God, yeah, I, that was huge. But <laughs> more importantly, you started, I, I started, I don't know about you guys, but I started to question 
was it a good win for a minute in that second half as they were as they were blowing it and then they march down the field win the game and I go okay stop we we just didn't play today they play Duke is a good team they beat Clemson home game but you can already you can see what Notre Dame's problem is going to be all year they have this gunslinging quarterback and they don't want to do it and they don't know how to do it pretty much and so they aren't they aren't as good as I thought they were offensively watching them two weeks in a row play the same game and the same, dare I say, Ryan Day with a lead in the fourth quarter game where you get yeah. passive because that's what they did. I mean, they're up 13 nothing. Should have been 24 nothing probably. And, they and Duke's almost- offense is very old, if you will. It, it feels like they're stuck in 2003 with Jim Trestle. In a way. Yeah, it's weird because that Riley Leonard kid has been really good and he's put up really good numbers. They didn't want to let him run much, and that's what he does. That's what he's best at is running. Their offense is worse this year than it was a year ago, even though they're a better team. So it's it's really interesting to watch. And I I like I think Notre Dame will lose another game. I don't know what their schedule looks like, but if they play USC, they're gonna get their asses kicked. I can tell you that. Uh Riley Leonard's the one where his mom tells him you suck before every game, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I applaud that relationship. I, I think that's it keeps him level headed. You know, you got to keep your sons. He's a quarterback. They probably yeah. think they their poop doesn't stink. I think that's a pretty cool relationship. Uh we can cheers to Riley Leonard. He did get hurt, so I hope he's okay. Um, I I don't want to rush things, but what you just did, Shep, I have to do as well, because there's certain days in life where a 12 ounce beer just ain't gonna cut. And today I was thinking I'm either in the mood for a beer or standing in traffic. And luckily for me, I had beer and I remembered we had the 16 ounces from the tailgate. And then uh, a good friend of mine, her and her husband, Brandon, who's been on the show once, uh, they got me a six pack of the 16 ounce Coors for my birthday. So instead of standing in traffic, I'm going to crack this beer to... Just seeing you guys again and a big Buckeye victory. Sweet Moses. All right, let me take a quick sip of this because this is going to go down very quickly tonight. I might even get a second. Uh, let's go back real quick to Riley Leonard. I will say, Sam Hartman, what a class act to not just go celebrate that win with your team, but to stand there. He's played against Riley before, being that he was at Wake. They, they know each other well. To stay there and check on him. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, And you just don't see that in today's world that people take time to care. That was awesome. I agree with you. I, I think, yes, that was such a cool act and a class act. And I, I think maybe we would come to expect that from a school like Notre Dame. I, I don't think that is something that we should be surprised by with the type of people they bring into that university. So something like Sam Hartman, I think, was really cool to see. He easily, like you said, Shep, could have been celebrating with his teammates. He's on the road, hostile environment. He could have been back and forth with the Duke fans. And I think it was really cool. He stayed out there and waited the whole time for him to come out. And that's just a class act. And I think that's a good segue into what I just want to talk about very quickly before we move on to some college football and a little bit more of the Ohio State-Notre Dame game. The exact opposite happened at the Ryder Cup this past weekend. Sam Hartman did it the way I think people should do it when it comes to sportsmanship, class, and just respecting your opponent and really respecting a person and people. I'm a huge golfer, big golf fan, golfed in college for a little bit. Two of the big things for me on a golf calendar are the Masters 
And the last of that on the list is the Ryder Cup. It's the USA versus Europe. You're playing for the pride of your country. It should be an honor to play for Europe or the U.S. I don't know all the details of what's going on. I don't know what's true, what is it, but what I saw online, I didn't see it actually live, and I'm really glad I didn't waste my weekend. It was a complete embarrassment to the Ryder Cup. A complete embarrassment. I said it in the teaser this week, and I fully believe this. It was basically an episode of the Jersey Shore that broke out in Rome over the weekend. I understand nowadays that, you know, taunting and maybe showing some guys up has become the norm in football and basketball. I'd say even baseball at this point. I think certain sports, I think certain schools, I think it could be unfair that maybe we hold Notre Dame to a higher expectation of maybe sportsmanship than other schools. I think everyone should show sportsmanship. But there's something about Notre Dame that we would maybe expect Sam Hartman to do that, and I think it's cool he did. There's something about golf to me that I think we should expect more from. They've always called it a gentleman's game. What I saw on Twitter or X, what I saw on Facebook, and what I saw on Instagram, the Ryder Cup was talked about for all the wrong reasons. It was... Is Patrick Cantley upset that he's not getting paid to play for his country? First off, if he's so pissed he's not getting money, he can step out. I know someone, Keegan Bradley, would have killed to be in Rome playing. Win or lose, Keegan wanted to be there. So I'm pretty upset that if he really wants paid, then don't go. You have all this money. I think he won the, the FedEx Cup a couple of years ago. It's about 19 million bucks. If you don't want to go over to Rome, don't go. If it's all about money, just just go to live and leave me alone. Go to live. Yeah. All those idiots are over there, and they seem to be somewhat happy. But when I go back to sportsmanship, golf, I think you expect more from golfers. Fair or unfair, that's my opinion. And what I saw this weekend, man, I was embarrassed. I was really embarrassed just to see it from both sides. I don't care at all about the outcome and how bad U.S. or the U.S. got beat. Couldn't care less. It was embarrassing, but that's not what I was embarrassed about. Seeing the back and forth between caddies and players on both sides was an embarrassment. And I hope they get this fixed because all we saw for two, two and a half days was these arguments and these, I wouldn't even say tiffs. I'm like, you were close to having, you know, Jersey Shore or WWE breakout over in Rome. It's a complete embarrassment. And for golf, they're on a very slippery slope right now because they've already lost some of their faces to live because of what? Money. These guys make money. Go look at a purse when you go play at the FedEx St. Jude in Memphis. They're going to make money. John Rahm, I didn't like John Rahm before this whole live thing came up. He said last year, I brought it up before on the show. He goes, what am I really going to do or how is my life really going to be changed if I make $50 million instead of $10 million, I think he's 100% right. And guess what? I have so much more respect for a guy like John Rahm now. John I think Rahm, he's Jose in, Ramirez, two of a kind. Two, <laughs> two of a kind. <laughs> I just think that, yes, if you play well, at some point you want to be appreciated and compensated for your work, whether it's in the workplace or for your performance. But at the same time, when it becomes all about money, you're going to get stuff like this. So it was a complete embarrassment. I know you guys aren't the biggest golfers, so I'll leave it at that. But I hope in two years when it comes back to America that some things are changed and the guys that are on that team next want to be there. 
I read a couple quotes from Keegan before this all even happened a couple months ago. He was heartbroken that he could not play for his country in the Ryder Cup. Had a really good season. Maybe had a right to maybe be one of the captain's picks. But I think the next captain of the U.S., and maybe even Europe for this matter, they should pick guys that want to be there and for the right reasons. Because if you're just there for the money, the Ryder Cup's lost any type of illustriousness that it's been built on over the last who knows how many years. Take the score out. And it's been, what, 30 years since U.S. beat Europe across the pond? Forget that. When it comes back here in two years, they need to get some guys that are not only playing well and have earned spots on that team, but they also need to get guys that want to be there and support and really represent their country in a much better light than they did over the weekend. Shep, before you got on, while you were still talking with nature, I was listening to my playlist that I put together, and apparently I've inspired Tyler to put together his own playlist. So, nice. Tyler, would you like to share with Shep how many songs that you've put together on this like motorcycle riding playlist that you've made in like the last, what, 10 days? Yeah, week, week and a half or so. Um, I think when I checked yesterday, the, the playlist titled Motorcycle was up to either 410 or 460 i can't remember and i know that's a pretty widespread for music but i just went on a spree because i got inspired by brew's playlist at the tailgate and just adding every song that i've ever listened to that i enjoy um <laughs> so now I've, I've got i don't know what's that probably 20 hours of uninterrupted music if i just let it cycle through i was gonna ask you do you pay for spotify so you don't have the ads oh you don't nope no. all right so do you want me to give you a trick to skip yeah. the ads what you do when you hear the ad, you kill the app, open it back up, and it resumes with the next available song, and you just skip the ads that way. It's free, oh, okay. and it, it might take three seconds, but that saves 10 bucks a month. I'm looking out for the masses. I'm saving everybody 10 bucks a month, including time. That might be tricky to do while operating a motorcycle. No, that's but very true. That's very true. If I use the playlist in another setting, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, quick, quick vote from the three of us. Who here is a good text and driver? I am. <laughs> Anybody else? No, you don't do it good. You probably have people that care more about you than me. <laughs> uh, I'm really, really good at that. But with the new update on the iPhone, all of a sudden, the texting has become much more difficult. And I've had to pull back from that skill for the last couple of weeks. I'm sure that's I'm sure it's by design. I mean, I'm also a really good knee driver, so maybe I'll just pick that back up again. I'm really good driving yeah. with my left knee. Need a cheeseburger, you know, have a milkshake, drive with your knees. It's fine. <laughs> my dad, he's told he saw a lot in his, I don't know, 20 some odd years of working in Columbus. He said one day he saw someone driving to work in the morning on 70 West reading the newspaper. For some of you kids out there that don't know, the newspaper is that big gray thing with words on it. But he saw someone with two hands reading the newspaper and driving in traffic. That We should just direct that person directly to Tyler. Tyler, if you'd like to give out your direct line for potential claim, that person is it. So I know oh, the driver, but it's when it's long, straight roads. You can just kind of like just keep it there and brace it. This person is reading like the cartoon section. Going into work on a Tuesday. 
But the, the texting, I, I wouldn't do that on a mo- motorcycle there, Tyler. That's probably very smart. You do have a wife and a child at home that would like to see you come home safely. Uh, what's the next playlist that you'll be inspired by? You got one named Motorcycle. How about Motorboat? How about that one? You, you go for that one next? You I think that could have a... You old sailor, yeah, couple, you. Yeah, you, you could have a series of different songs, depending on how you take the title of that playlist. <laughs> but it's a, it's, a good, it's a good title. I think my next one, though, is going to be for, like, yard work. And, you know, that kind of stuff, because you need a nice blend of like upbeat, yeah. positive music. Yeah. But at the same time with a, a sprinkle of I want to run through a wall music, because my problem is I get really motivated to mow the grass until I get out and I turn the mower on and I look at the yard. And I'm like, you know what? I I don't want to I don't want to be here right now. Yeah, so, you need some a good bit of motivation with help. That's how I get with raking leaves is you start and you're like, all right, this is fine. I'm outside. It's a fall morning. It's okay. And then you just give up. No, like, I, I, I did that last year. I, I had two big piles that didn't make it because so Olean would collect like you didn't have to bag your leaves, which was awesome. Oh, you I got a suggestion for you, too. So I just saved Tyler 10 bucks a month. Run them I'm going to save you time. You know how they it. say time is money. I already saved Tyler some moolah. I'm going to save you some time. Get a leaf blower and blow them into someone else's yard. That's what I <laughs> was, the problem was that the house I'm selling, uh, there's a fence on on three sides, so I didn't have to pay for a fence because it was three people's fence. But I, there's no way to pull that off. You just got to get the angle right. <laughs> you just got to like go back to math, man. If you come down at this angle, it's going to go back up at the opposite angle. It's going to shoot right over that fence. Oh, this, and that then like. Physics. How the hell do we get so many leaves in our yard? We don't have any trees. Also, do it <laughs> do it at night, too. And we're all black, so if they have cameras, they don't know it's you. That's what I would do. Um, you know, I'm pulling things out of my backside, just like Ohio State did against Notre Dame. So you talk about a nice little segue. I rewatched the game. I think it was half of it on the following Tuesday and then the rest of it on a Wednesday. Because I still, after three or four days from that game, guys, didn't truly believe that we actually won the game. The game was Saturday night. I fell asleep Sunday morning at 3 (laughs) a.m. I woke up at 8 a.m. to go to church. Everyone started asking me, hey, are you okay? How did the game go for you last night? How did the game go for me last night? I almost died. I was praying prayers I've never prayed before, and somehow we won by one point. So I went back to watch the game, and I put down... In my notes, I have three categories, one of lucky breaks, another one for three yards or less runs, and times Hartman was on the ground. I'm going to lead with the shorter two, and then we'll go to the lucky breaks. I've said this for a very long time. I probably said it here. Ohio State is the best three-yard run team in the country until you need three yards. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't count the game-winning touchdown run as one of those because... We actually got what we needed. I think that would be unfair. I'm talking the rest of the game. Ohio State with three yards or less carries, not quarterback runs. This is designed runs. They had 14, 14 carries of three yards or less. It's something with that offensive line. They are an excellent pass blocking offensive line. It continues to be that way year after year. I don't remember which NFL game I was watching, but they were talking. Oh, I know what it was. They were talking about the Browns game and they were talking about Dewan Jones. The radio announcer said that he has been a very good pass blocking 
offensive lineman. But he struggled in his early part of his career as a run blocker. Ohio State fans should not be surprised by that because we as an offensive line cannot for some reason block when it comes to designed running the football. But 14 runs of three yards or less against Notre Dame, albeit against a great defense. Second, we go to, I think in four games, Ohio State, I think they have five sacks in four games. They have also said that Ohio State has gotten a lot of pressure on quarterbacks, but they're not getting home. It's like you coming back from your motorcycle ride. It's great if you're riding, but if you don't make it home, that's not good. Five sacks in four games. Sam Hartman, the entire game, was on the ground four times, one of which was at the very end, that tackle for loss by JTT. He was clean the whole game. Very concerning to me. I know we're 4-0. I know we're now a top-four team. I'm very happy and more so relieved that we won that game. I talked about lucky breaks. We're going up against the luck of the Irish. I don't know if they pissed off one of the leprechauns or what, but we got a lot of lucky breaks in that game, so I made notes of them. The Igbenosan late hit early in the game that was reversed, I thought was... Actually, a bad call. I thought that was a late hit. That's number one. Uh, Cody Simon's stop on fourth down against Sam Hartman that they initially called it a first down. I assume that was going to stick. So I thought the overturn was a lucky break. Go ahead, Shep. Yeah, I, I I do think the overturn was the right call. But yeah, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you're looking at that going, really, this is this is going to happen to us here. I just thought because it was on the field rule to first down, yeah. that would be so hard to overturn. I agree. So to me, that's two. And then, again, I don't know Notre Dame. I don't scout him. But all I heard from Noah Eagle, he's awful. By the way, uh, Jesse Micro is playing this week against Maryland. That was infuriating. <laughs> As somebody who has done broadcasting, You know that still is is a, is a major passion of mine. To watch somebody like that who is basically just trying to be his dad, his yeah. tone and his inflections, everything. And, and look, Ian is one hell of a broadcaster. I love Ian. Ian. I met him at the NCAA tournament when the Bonnies lost in 2012 to uh-huh. Florida State. He came over to me and my friends and looked and yelled to us, you guys look great, because we had talked to him before the <laughs> game. It was really cool. Uh, and then we blew the game. He's but good. I, I just don't love – and I've gone on this rant on this podcast before, so I will not – fully do it you tonight can. again i've talked too much anyway but go ahead it's just it's nepotism as, as at its finest this he's like 24 years old he has the saturday night nbc game or peacock whatever the hell you want to call it he has the saturday night college basketball game coming up when they when they start getting that going uh this winter and spring Ugh. oh and oh by the way he's the clippers radio guy Oh, the How? L.A. Clippers, yeah. Come on. Yeah, not the not to be confused with the Columbus Clippers. How in the world does he have that job already? He, has, he, he does not have the experience for that. He doesn't, and that whole industry has always been, and what, what were we told in school, bro? When you get out of school, you're not going to make any money. You better pay <laughs> your dues. You better work the terrible shifts. Yep. It's all crap. It's all about who you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, or it's all and about friends. who your father is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nepotism and Noah both start with N, so that makes perfect sense. But yeah, he's awful. So Jesse Micro slash Mirko is playing this week against Maryland. How long did it take him to think of that joke, by the way? He's been thinking about that for a week. 
yeah, sitting probably. there. Well, I can't wait to make a micro joke. I mean, come on. <laughs> I got a micro joke for you, Noah. But the way he was uh, talking up Notre Dame's kicker, it sounded like he was the college version of Justin Tucker. So when this kid comes out for a 47-yard field goal, I'm like, well, they're going to be up three to nothing. So to me, the fact that he missed the field goal was a lucky break. Another one, the fourth down stop of Hartman again. There was, I guess there was two of them with uh, Igbenosin and Sonny Styles. Remember the one he tries to sneak right up behind the center? Got mm-hmm. stuffed by, I think, Eichenberg jumped over the line. Yep. And then those two guys, right place, right time. So we stopped them a couple times. That was huge. That was a, a great turning point in that football game by those two guys in the backfield. I think the biggest one, I truly thought when Marvin went down, it was a complete deja vu from Jackson the previous year. Yep. I know it was game four versus game one, but same team, tight game. You lose your best receiver, arguably, on the team. The fact that Marvin Harrison was able to not only return to the game, but actually made contributions for the rest of the game, probably won us that football game. Remember how I said last year, if Marvin and that targeting call is actually called targeting, we win that football game. Marvin coming back allowed us to win that football game solely because he drew attention from that Notre Dame secondary and Emeka was open for a lot of catches on that last drive. The fact that he was a distraction and drawing possibly a double team was massive. Cade Stover had a really big third down and four catch that he probably should have been short. It was the one where his knee came down. We thought it was a touchdown. I think that's a big lucky play because if his knee's down a yard short, I'm thinking we go for it, and I'm thinking we don't get it again. So the fact that his knee was down on the right spot of the field, I think is very lucky for us. And then the last one's here, and a lot of people might have overlooked this the first time, as did I. Second time I caught it. The fact that Ryan Day saved that last time out when they're on defense. I don't think it's been talked about in two weeks. So I know it's been almost two weeks since that game happened. We can bring that up as maybe new. That one timeout that we saved, saved us from going from 15 seconds left in the game down to five. We would have lost that football game. That is, No one's talked about that. That is under the radar, maybe the luckiest break of them all. I have one more, but we can discuss that one a little bit. If I'm a Notre Dame fan, there is one play I point to. And look, there's a lot of things that happen in a game. It's not one play, right? But the play I'd be most upset about is the screen pass that J- that JTT broke up, right? Because in that setting, you have to have the clock run. And I get it. Your, your gut reaction is to throw that ball away, throw it in the, at the feet. But think about if Hartman just takes a sack there, what that does. Yeah. We don't win. No. I think it's it's pretty obvious. The last break, and then we'll go to break, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about it. McCord's pass over the middle of the field, I think it was to Stover, that it was a safety right in the middle of the field, right through his hands. There are so many times that we were towing the line of defeat, and we pulled it out. I know it was the luck of the Irish, but that week, it was the luck of the Buckeyes. But I tell you what, man, we needed all eight of those to win by one point and one yard. It was a miracle. Better lucky than good. Sometimes that's all it comes down to. Better lucky than good.
Chris, Tyler, and myself here. Better lucky than good. Uh, We were very lucky in that game was kind of my point of that whole little note that I had there. I think we got to talk a little bit more about that game because it scared the living hell out of me. And I'll say this, since the episode is titled, Let It Rip. I was expecting, I think the three of us discussed this in our group chat, that Let It Rip meant a similar game plan. And it looked familiar from that Georgia game. I don't know if that was because Notre Dame just played a great defensive game, but it definitely didn't look that way. I just want to go around here and get an overall description of your range of emotions for that three hours. Tyler, we'll lead with you. Did you have any optimism at any point that night that we were actually going to win that football game? I had optimism the entire night until the fourth and one jet sweep to Abuka that got blown up that my buddy's blind grandmother could have seen coming. Um, Mm -hmm. I gave up at that point. I really did. Up until then, I personally, I was hoping and I was actually blind. She actually blind, Uh, not blind, but she can't see. (laughs) <laughs> okay. I don't think it's, yeah. I don't think it's deaf, legal. But, I, but, but I can still hear. So yeah. she, she she can't see well, is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> She's not blind, but she can't see. That is, wait, wait. I might have to pull that for a new open. That's hilarious. <laughs> so I was optimistic and, and naive enough to be hopeful that it would be going into halftime. It would be 35 to 7, an easy win, blowout, whatever. I knew it wasn't going to be the case. So when we were going into the half with the score the way it was, with the back and forth, the defensive battle, I was not surprised. And I was optimistic the whole time. But all you needed is one play, one one mistake on Notre Dame's part, and away you go. And even up until that, that fourth and one call, I was optimistic and I was hopeful. And then that play just got blown up. It was, it was not a good play call. It was very odd. Just whatever you want to say about it. And uh-huh. at that point, I was in, I was thinking, okay, well, you know, a loss to Notre Dame is not bad. They're a good team. You're still in the playoff contention. You can still fight for the Big Ten. Like This does not eliminate any of your goals for the season, so it's okay. And then I started getting mad on that next drive when the defense started doing their job. And JTT had two back-to-back plays where he, he did what he when, – when you needed him the most, he shows up. And I was like, why couldn't you have been doing this the rest of the mm-hmm. game? Like why, why do you have to wait until we need it? I know. But then they, they got the ball back. And I was still irritated. I was like, okay, you got a minute and 16 seconds or whatever it is. Like our offense has not been producing all night. You're not going to, you're not going to do it. So I was irritated. And then they started doing it. And I was, I was more angry. I always love when they start doing it. Right. It's the best, but I was more angry watching them drive the ball down the field. Again, same with, with what I thought about the defense. Why haven't you been doing this? And what stood out to me is a lot of the times in situations like those, a defense and people get mad that the offense seemingly moves the ball in those two minute drills. Well, that's because in a lot of situations, the defense will only rush three and drop eight because so, yeah, you're going to pick up chunk yardage, but they're not going to give up points. Notre Dame didn't do that. They did one play in that final drive where they dropped eight and rushed three. Other than that, they were playing their same defense. Mm-hmm. They said, I, I talked about it in the last show. That it was a unzip, pull it out. Let's see who's bigger fellas. They were confident in what they were doing and they, they stuck to it. And so Ohio State's moving the ball at will. I was like, why Why are you waiting until right now? And I didn't get any optimism back until Emeka caught that pass on the one-yard line. 
and looking at the clock, I was like, you got two, maybe three plays left to get one yard. Like you, you guys, you can do this. And then we had the, the, the blown up play to, to Marvin. And at that point you got one play left. And I stood up after when they came out onto the field, they got Uh into position. I don't think I took a breath until Sam Hartman threw a forward pass while he was getting hit five minutes later. I mean, I was, I had to have been blue in the face. My heart was, I mean, it was pounding to the point like you can feel it in your throat. I was shaking. Miserable. Physically shaking. Yeah. I'm sweating now just thinking about it. Like I'm, I'm nervous again. I'm nervous. So I'm sweating. I'm sweating my ass off over here thinking about it. It was two weeks ago. Shep, what, what was the range of emotions for you? I'll just say this. Sports pessimism for me worked wonders on Saturday night. It's the range of emotions is very similar to Tyler. And like I had told you guys, you know, when we had, I had said it on the pod, I hate how optimistic I was. And we said it Saturday night in the parking lot after the Western Kentucky game. <laughs> I hate that I'm excited. I hate that I feel confident because I shouldn't feel that way. We haven't proven anything. We still have a young quarterback, all this stuff. And Notre Dame, that first drive, they're just kind of taking it to us. And you go, here we go again. A team's running the ball down our throats. This is what happens. That Hartman makes a couple big plays. And I, and, and it's like, the I told you so's in your head of, of not good, not good. And then it felt like we were, I'm going to call us Rocky Balboa early, right? Like they gave us everything they had. They kept punching us in the mouth, punching us in the mouth. And we kept avoiding Danger. We kept avoiding catastrophe, whether it was all the luck plays you talk about, where we made a big play on third down and like the bell rang just in time to get us you know, out of the ring for a minute. And like, you know, halftime comes along. I'm like, how, how is this where we're at? Like, it just didn't make sense. And then Notre Dame scores and then you don't feel good for a while because we didn't really do much of anything for a stretch. It felt like. And then there's that fourth quarter, right? JTT, though, is probably one of the most frustrating players the Buckeyes have had defensively that's like a thank really good you he, yeah. he drives me insane I think you're gonna hate this Tyler because this wasn't how he was at Ohio State but this is how he is in the NFL his comp is Chase Young in terms of his production because he has all the talent he has all the God-given physical abilities the difference is this didn't happen with Chase Young in college Chase Young didn't take place off in college it feels like he does and whether he does or doesn't maybe he's just not as good as we think he is right Maybe he's not as good until it gets to the obvious pass rush situations. But to do it two times in a row when you had to have it, it was like you have the clutch factor. You are very good. Do it more for us. Come on. Like, why, why are we waiting so long? It, it reminds me like, remember Chris Berman on uh, like NFL countdown or primetime, anything? Come on, Seattle. Let's go, Seattle. That's what I'm waiting for here is like, let's, let's have one of those big games where you do what Cleo Mack just did on Saturday, on Sunday and have six sacks. Like, not saying that much, but disrupt the game. He hasn't done that except for twice. I mean, twice to me is a stretch. I Penn was just State about, and two plays here. Yeah, I That's was just it. about to ask you. I really like him. I think there is potential there. I just need to actually see it more, or at least hear his name more on the broadcast. Yeah, I was going to ask the question: If you take out that Penn State game last year, if you take that out. Is there another moment that we're like, man, that was a great play? I could not tell you another moment. We, I, I said everything. I said this last year. If it wasn't for the Penn State game, I still wouldn't know how to pronounce his last name. 
if with, without that Penn State game, we'd be like, Tui, ma, 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 yeah, JT. But there's got to be something more. And yes, I think he might be the most frustrating. It's nice that Denzel Burke's not on this list anymore. Props to Denzel and whatever number he he's, chooses he's, to wear this he's week. well off the list. Yeah, he's way off the list. We were wrong about him, too, and I'm very happy about that. But another guy that kind of bunches my shorts is Jack Sawyer. This is a number one overall recruit. Tyler, am I wrong? At one point, at least, he was the number one prospect coming out of high school. They both they both are. Both of our ends, JTT and Jack Sawyer. JTT was a number one overall prospect? They were individually the highest rated recruits. They might have been one and I think they came out of the same year, maybe, but they were both the highest rated defensive ends, highest rated recruits in their respective classes. Again, it's not fair to put this expectation on them, but if you're coming in that highly recruited and touted and promoted at this point, I'm expecting Chase Young and one of the Boses. It's just frustrating to me that Khalil Mack has more sacks in one game than Ohio State as a team does in four games. Uh, first of all, I do, I do want to say this really quick, that the sports pessimism pessimism does pay off. Remember how I told you guys I was a little bit more optimistic coming into that game than I felt comfortable being? Just because of what we saw in person, how the offense kind of clicked a little bit more, the defense was flying around, that led into, like, hey, I think we might have a shot here. As the first half was going, and I'm seeing the fourth and ones that are not converted, and the jet sweeps and the screens, good God, the screens, that quickly reverted to to the pessimism. So mm-hmm. Tyler brings up that fourth and one jet sweep, which we need to pull that play from all yeah, possibility. Pull it out. That's what she said. Anyway, pull it out. <laughs> we can't run that play ever again. It doesn't work. I don't know why we're the only team in the country or really any team that plays football, college or pro. We cannot run a screen to a wide receiver, and we cannot run a jet sweep. Why we can't block those, I know, because we can't run block. Pull it out. Never call it again. My my pessimism was at an all-time low on the same play Tyler discussed. I took off my newly purchased number zero. It's a Cam Bab jersey to me. I know it's a blocko for most people. I calmly took the jersey off. I placed it over the couch, took my Buckeye necklace off, put it on the table, took my gloves off, politely put them back together with the Velcro, and I sat in a very uh, slouched position on the couch, which if anyone's watched a game with me doesn't happen often because usually I'm kneeling, and I just watched the demise. And then a miracle shows up, and that last, what I think it was 126, we just pulled out of our ass. I'll say this, and then I want to title that game, and I'm going to sit up straighter so in case the video goes viral, I look my best. I think Kyle McCord might have done a lot to save Ryan Day's job in the final 86 seconds of that football game. Ryan Day, whether we like it or not, is on a hot seat. I think it's a little unfair, especially what's with what's awaiting us next year with a 12-team playoff. But if Ryan Day loses that football game, people are going to be pissed. And I think some of the frustration that we saw from him and the comments towards Lou Holtz, which we'll talk about in a moment, I think that he kind of knew he got a weight lifted off of his shoulders for at least a couple of weeks. But we all remember a big game that we probably didn't think we were going to win. The optimism was at an all-time low. It was the, I guess, technically the 2015 Sugar Bowl 
against Alabama. And then we have the Zeke 85 yards through the heart of the South. And that really was what won us that football game. This game, if you want my opinion, let me sit up straight. Hold on. I'm not good with sitting up straight, so I got to get my posture better for this. And I don't have a good side, so I'm just going to look straight into the camera. I don't. I have no good side. Left nor right, they both are bad. I do look better in black and white photos, though. This game I would title 65 yards through the heart of the Catholics because that was not supposed to happen. (laughs) It wasn't. I talked to my dad the next day. He goes, that was a miracle. Very simply put and very well stated. It was a miracle. 65 yards through the heart of the Catholics. It's incredible. And I just took communion on Sunday and I was like, you know what? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'll tell you the play that it became real for me, that there was a real chance wasn't when we got the ball back. It was the incredible diving catch that Marvin had. Being injured, I mean, that catch yeah. was unbelievable. It wasn't your traditional diving catch where you kind of like sliding to the side. It was a full-out, full-extension center fielder diving for a, for a ball. I mean, that was yeah. unbelievable. He had hang time on that as he got his whole body off the ground on the dive. To come down with that ball and not lose it through contact with the ground was unbelievable. To me. If, if you go back and watch that replay from a few different angles that have now been released, he dove head first with what I would have done with my eyes closed and praying mm-hmm. into three green jerseys. Yeah. Any one of those guys could have just laid him down mm-hmm. and been safe maybe from a targeting. But in, in that position, like as a defender – you see 18 diving through the air and the ball coming, you do what you got to do to stop it. And God, football, God, whatever you believe in, it didn't happen. But the man was hurt, you know, 20 minutes ago to the point where we all thought he was done for the season. And he makes, (laughs) yeah, again, a a spectacular catch, but just total disregard for him. His, his, you know, banged up ankle just puts it out there to do what he has to do to help his team. And that was it was a, a great catch, but then just an amazing effort when you look at it a little bit more wholly. Tyler, I gotta ask you this question. What I saw from Kyle McCord in just the last 126 of that football game, I'm fully sold on him. Kyle's my guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know the the accolades from high school and the four or five star recruit that he was, people had high expectations. I for one I'm not going to go back on what I said. Didn't see it. But what I saw at the last 126 of that game in that environment against that good of a defense when really nothing was going right for them in terms of a flow of the offense, he sold me, man. And I will do my very best to remember that game if he struggles here moving forward and still say he still got it in him and he is our guy. I'm so glad that Ryan Day and the coaching staff decided on a starter before Western Kentucky to give him that confidence and to instill a foundation that I'm the guy, I don't have to look over my shoulder, this is my team. If Ryan Day and that coaching staff don't do that before Western Kentucky, we don't win that game against Notre Dame. So I ask you, Tyler, you're the recruiting guy and you know a little bit more about the high school prep level than we do. Were you sold on him before Notre Dame? And if you weren't, are you sold now? I was sold on him before Notre Dame because Ryan Day told us so. Um, like I've said a million times, Ryan Day knows his team better than we do, better than we'll ever do. 
He knows in particular his quarterbacks. He, he knows what he's got in that room. I agree with you. If Devin Brown was playing in that game, we lose that game. Just no, no disrespect to him. He's a better athlete than I could ever dream of being. But you don't go out and do what Six did unless you were a, a, a dude. I mean, he is a, a, a man. He's he's the guy. Uh, just the immense pressure, for one, to be in South Bend, a potentially go-ahead drive with that little time, that far to go. The, I mean, the, the pressure is just – I can't imagine it. I've never been in a situation like that. Your average guy will never be in a situation like that. And for him to know that it, that it was on him and he went out and delivered. He and did. like I said a little bit ago, that wasn't because Notre Dame altered their defense and, and changed things up. He he buckled down. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, this is this is what we're doing. And and he went out and delivered. You don't do that unless you've got a little something special. So I yeah. was not sold. Even going through that game, I was not sold. Because there were a couple of times that I'm sure Shep saw it too because we talked about it at, at the Western Kentucky game. I'm looking at the screen. I'm like, Marv's one-on-one. Like, he's <laughs> one-on-one. I don't care what happens. Throw him the ball. And he just doesn't even look to that side of the field. So I'm like, come like." You gotta you gotta pick it up, and then he walks out, and yeah, until he gives us reason to not believe in him. And like you said, even if that happens, I'll still believe in him because of what he did. I'm sold on him now. That's that's the dude, and I I don't know as much as I hate to say it because I love C.J. Stroud and I love what he's doing in the NFL now. There were three or four games in his career where C.J. Stroud could have done that, and he never did. He he never did. So. All that poise, mental stuff, whatever. I mean, he's he's the dude, and and he's got it in him, obviously. He can make the throws. He's athletic enough. He's smart enough, and he's got the – Balls, just say it. Yeah, I was going to say the cojones. The the professional way to say he's got got that is Kyle McCord has composure. Very composure. (laughs) That's a good one. You say composure, I say balls. Yeah, it's the same thing. Going well, back to what I said earlier, though, Kyle McCord unzipped and said, hey, mine's bigger. There you go. I, Bill Raftery showed up and said onions on that last drive. <laughs> for sure. That's funny you say that, Tyler, because Shep was going to say something. I was going to back off and let him go. But that's what I was going to say. And I don't like when people always front a criticism by saying it's nothing against this person. And then they say, but, and then they criticize the hell out of it. I don't know, and we didn't see in the opportunities that CJ had that he did that. I think the one that's most unfair was that Oregon game that we lost at home because the defense couldn't stop anything. CJ Mm -hmm. played great that game, and he was getting a lot of flack that was undeserved. But there were other games, and there were other opportunities and chances and moments where he could have been Kyle McCord, and he and they were not. So Kyle McCord, to me, he's done something more than CJ. And I'm just going to say it. He's got big balls, man. I I was shaking. I, I keep stats, and I was trying to write down the score of the game, the MVP, and our record. And the handwriting that I had for that one wasn't great. So the fact that he could do what he did, and he was the guy to do that, calm as hell. He's got balls, man, and that's incredible. Shep, what you got? The, the composure is the the biggest thing. Like I said, the composure piece of it. Yeah, that, he's got both. That, he's got both. That, that said, <laughs> I wish CJ had a defense like this. Everybody knows I'm a Romo guy. Dak oh, yeah. drives. Me I didn't insane. know that. 
I love. I, I think Romo got the biggest unfair deal. And if you trade, I'm only going to say this this guy because I, you know, my dad's a Steelers fan. I grew up in Erie. I, I, I've dealt with the Steelers my whole life, being good. <laughs> yada yada yada. If you trade Tony Romo for Ben Roethlisberger, not only does Tony Romo at least have the same amount of Super Bowls as Big Ben, he doesn't take the crap he takes, even if he did throw picks like Big Ben did at the exact same time late in games because he had a defense and he had a running game and all this stuff that could help him. I think the same could be said for CJ at some point. Like you're telling me right now, if you, if you have somebody you need to go win a football game in terms of just throwing the football, I want CJ. I, I, he's a better passer. He's a better player. But we watched it time and time again, him come up short. But the games he came up short in, he had like, what, four losses? Yeah, I two think so. Michigan. Yep. And two of them, the defense was absolutely atrocious. So, yes, CJ wasn't great in those games. I'll be so honest, asking, all of them, the defense sucked. Yeah, so when you're asking a guy to put up 44 versus 21, it's very different. Yes, yeah, CJ in this on this team with this defense would be interesting to think about. But let me ask you this. How different is this defense from last year other than the fact that they're one year more in the same system? Is that uh, really the only that. difference? It, it might just there's two there there might be one other difference. What's that? Denzel Burke is playing like a number one corner again. That's fair. He he, he is he is looking like he could be the I can't believe I'm about to say this, <laughs> but the next first round buckeye and yeah. at, at the cornerback position. It feels like right. it. But like to kind of further that point about <laughs> quarterbacks and systems and situations. And maybe again, maybe I'm just crazy, but you give you give you put Tony Romo on the Cowboys right now going into San Francisco Sunday night. I actually feel like the Cowboys can win. I feel like the Cowboys are going to get pummeled by the Niners on Sunday night because that can't beat them. I, I think that's yeah. probably true. As long as yeah. Jace Ferguson and the Aubrey guy that kicks gets their points, I don't give a shit. Don't you don't <laughs> you jinx Brandon Aubrey? He hasn't missed it. I, know. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Yeah, shut up. Announcers jinx. We're still announcers. We're Literally. grandfathered in. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just want them to play well, personally. I think we probably have about 10 minutes left in the segment and the show. So we're going to let it rip, just like Ryan Day. We're going to dive into the Ryan Day and the Lou Holtz. I don't know if you want to say saga. I don't know if you want to say however you want to describe it. Uh, let me ask your opinions first, because it's not just my show. It's our show. Shep, I'll lead with you. Do you think what Lou Holtz said had some fact to it? And how do you think or how do you take the Ryan Day reaction post game? I'm going to give you two. My thoughts in the moment and my thoughts. Uh, completely calmed it back down. Okay. In the moment, I loved it. My buddy who's a Notre Dame fan texts in our group text after, and he he got fired up about Ryan Day, and he started screaming about him, picking on Lou Holtz, and I and I just like verbally undressed my buddy, just being like, that's what you're upset about right now? Grow <laughs> up. This is the problem with your program. You guys are a joke because that's what you're upset about right now. That's where your focus is. You just choked and blew a game, and that's your focus. But then you step back, and whether Lou Holtz is right to say it or not, we are kind of soft, at least we thought, going into this game. What have we complained about for the last two years? We're soft. We can't run the football in big situations. We can't stop the run. That's why we've lost to Michigan. So I don't think he's necessarily wrong, but I and, and I completely get why Ryan Day is as angry as he was. You just I think what's gotten so many people talking about it, you just don't see that done. 
it just doesn't really happen that instantly after the game, yeah. the head coach goes after, you know, a former coach and broadcaster and guy who's probably 85, six, 86. Okay. 86. I, I was fired up about it in the moment. Though. I thought it was hilarious. It was just like, you know what? This is fun. <laughs> Sports are supposed to be fun. Let's enjoy this. And good for like, I think you, you, you said it earlier, Ryan day has been feeling some heat and he, he definitely believes some of what, or knows the public believes some of what Lou Holtz said. If that made him that angry, you don't get that angry over nothing. There's some truth behind that anger. Yeah, I think Ryan Day's reaction was probably not directed solely at Lou Holtz. I mean, it was directed at everybody, including Ohio State fans and Ohio State sports pundits that have been saying for the last two years, you can't win a physical game. And as much as I hate to admit it, Lou Holtz pointed them all out. Alabama, Georgia, both losses to Michigan. Oregon, like those teams just, they manhandled you and that's what cost you the game. So I don't think Ryan Day was directly angry at Lou Holtz outside of that moment. Uh, when he said it, I was still jumping around from the victory and I was chanting mm-hmm. bad word here that rhymes with truck Lou Holtz. Cause I was like, absolutely. Like, so I think it, it, it like Shep said, when you, when you in the moment and then when you take a step back a couple days later and look at it, my feelings are still they're pretty much the same. Like, you know, y- you you take a shot on the Pat McAfee show before the biggest game of the season to this point, when it doesn't go your way, like, of course, the, someone's going to respond. W- were we expecting the head coach? Probably not. But um, but Shep's right. I mean, we we all fought it. We all had that, that gut feeling that, you know, Ohio State's a little soft. They're not winning in physical games when they need to. And I think this was a physical game, and especially that last play. I don't care. I will die on this hill. Yes, Notre Dame had 10 men. Yes, the 11th man would have been in the gap where Chip Trainum ran the ball. But watch, the, watch that playback in slow-mo, double slow-mo. Watch it 50 times. Ohio State had a push. that I don't. You could have put two men in that gap, mm-hmm. and he still would have made, made the end zone. So that was a physical play. I don't know. I could go on about this forever. Um, I think that Ryan Day needs to take that energy and not direct it at an 85-year-old man and direct it at a 60-year-old booger eater that wears khaki and blue up north. Um, I didn't know know he ate his boogers. I know he drinks milk with steak. I didn't know. You didn't. There's a reason I call him the booger-eating bastard. It was like his second season with Michigan. And on television, on camera, on the sideline, coaching a football game, he digs up there with his pinky and he goes, not even that he ate it, he looked at it and then put it in his mouth. The man oh eats his own God, boogers. I didn't know that. Oh, But God, I think you, you you take that energy that you displayed in, in that <laughs> post-game press conference or whatever you want to call it, and, and you I, run with it. And you're going to win. And I'm sorry. One more thing. No, you're good. It, it was it was premeditated. Did you guys hear the exchange between Ryan Day and the oh, media yeah. outlet director as 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 Ryan Day's walking up? That some media's whatever you can hear him saying like "Take it easy" or "Take a deep breath." And Ryan Day says, "Yeah, watch this," and then walks up to the mic. Oh, and I goes didn't on know his that. Rant. So he oh, yeah. he knew what he was going to say. He knew what he was about to do, and he did it anyway. And I I kind of love that. That's the best part to me is that I didn't know that. Yeah. I also didn't know that Harbaugh eats his own boogers. <laughs> By the way, quick side note, I have a pretty good memory. I don't recall a single moment in my life where I've ever done that. Young kid, now, 
Never. He's a fifty-year-old millionaire. That's yeah. crazy. He actually, I have to look that up. I, I don't. It's not that I don't believe you. I just like watching the Notre Dame game a second time. I just have to see it to believe. Yeah, look uh, it up and then text us when you do because you're going to be. Oh, mind I blown. will. Uh, this is what I think, and I don't think either guy is wrong for what they said or how they said it. Lou Holtz, there was a lot of facts in there. He did kind of describe why he thinks they're soft and back it up with those games that they lost, and they had a similar feel to it. I think he's right. Mm-hmm. I think for Ryan Day, I, I think when you react that way, it's because... That's his family to an extent. And when you come after someone's child or you, I'm sorry, when someone comes after your child or your parents or your brother or sister, you're going to react in a defensive way to protect them. And I think what Ryan Day did was he defended his players, his team. And I think for a lot of it, I think he was also kind of speaking to the Ohio State football fans. One, we can win this type of football game. And I think that was kind of like a motivational thing for us as well to be like, you need to get on board. This team can be special. Mm-hmm. I don't have tickets to this week's game for Maryland. I know a few people that are going. If I'm in the media department and the video creation department for the video board for this week's game, I'm putting that speech in a video in the pregame. I think that'll motivate the hell out of this team and those fans i'm worried that the bye week zaps some of that energy from those comments i don't think either of i don't think either one of those guys are wrong i just hope that two weeks later there's still that same fire in the team and in the coaches i'm glad the the bye week can zap it because i think you can be too amped up for a game like this and i think you need to breathe before maryland and not overlook them because i think you could ride a high from a win like that sometimes and have it be ohio against the world and all of that and then you forget you're playing maryland who by the way can score the football they're they're, last year you said that was your game you were worried about worried again i'm a a little worried about saturday spreads 21 points way too high for me any last thoughts before I wrap up with a little comment of my own? Tyler, were you, did you have the same thing I kind of said there, or did you? I saw you kind of shaking your head. What were you going to say? I, I was going to say normally I would I would have some different thoughts, but I I think the the bye week this year came at just the right time because yeah. hopefully I'm I'm channeling this energy towards the team and towards Brian Day and the coaching staff. It's going to be a good blend of riding that high and riding that that momentum, but also having that week. Now at, at, at this point in the the week of looking and being like, okay, we're a good team. We did what we had to do. We are physical. Our coach believes in us. But redirect your energy towards the next opponent. Yeah. Um, so I yeah. <laughs> and then my my final closing thought before Brew goes is fire truck Lou Holtz and go Bucks. <laughs> I'll I'll say this last part about the Ryan Day let it rip. That's where he let it rip. I don't know if he planned it that way, but I think it was pretty cool. So when I saw that instantly, I rewound it on the DVR and I recorded it on my phone because to me, I think if you really need to get motivated, you can watch that and feel like whatever's going on in your life. If you're a diehard Ohio State fan, maybe you can relate that to your own life. 
No one tells me I can't do anything. I'm going to prove to you that I'm not soft or that I am resilient or whatever people are saying that is untrue that you think about yourself. When I went to Ashland University, I wanted to do radio and TV since seventh grade. And I couldn't convince myself otherwise to do anything else because that was my interest. That was a dream of mine. That's what I felt called to do. And I just had to pursue that dream. And there was a lot of people that said, you need to do this. You need to do that. This is a mistake. This isn't a good financial decision. A lot of people said a lot of different things. And my good buddy Porter, we had some things that the two of us were fighting through individually. And he, I remember him telling me one day, he goes, you need to prove everyone wrong. Everyone. And I was like, damn, that's really good advice. So what I did is I had a post-it note that I wrote down the letters P-E-W, prove everyone wrong. And I had it over my desk for three and a half years at Ashland University. And then what he also told me is because I was kind of taking everything that everyone told to me that you're not going to be able to do this. Or if it's Ryan Day, your team is too soft and you can't win the big physical game. Porter also told me, he goes, at some point, you got to start proving yourself wrong. Because after a while, you start hearing the doubters more often than you hear the praise and you start to believe that. Ryan Day, I bet for a little while, maybe he would admit it, but he might think for a little bit, maybe Lou Holtz is 100% correct. So I think those comments were yes to his team, yes to us as fans, but I bet he was trying to prove himself wrong a little bit. Maybe he was starting to believe this. Maybe he was starting to feel that he was on the hot seat. So that prove everyone wrong mantra, and maybe for him as well, like it was for me in college, Prove yourself wrong. And I think whether you want to call that frustration or relief or a direct shot at an 86-year-old man, I don't have any problem with it. That is in my phone. I would use that with the PEW post-it note. It's motivational. Because what's one of the most motivational tactics for someone? Shep, if I told you, I bet you can't do this director of admissions job. I bet that might piss you off and you're going to yeah. prove to me that you can do that. Yeah. When people don't believe in you, that's a huge motivational just push. So I don't know if Lou Holtz gets any credit for the victory and he had since apologized to Marcus Freeman for putting him in the situation. I don't think he has to do that, but for Ryan day alone and for just what I remember with that P E W posted note, and then the other one P Y W prove yourself wrong. Maybe Ryan Day proved everyone wrong against Notre Dame. And to a degree, maybe he proved himself wrong. And I commend him for it. So to recap all of this, big win, miracle win. Thank you, Lou Holtz. And let's continue to push this bus forward and maybe take out the booger eater. Well, that about wraps it up, folks. Thanks to my company today. For my co-host, Chris Scheffner, and guest, Tyler Reed. I'm Matt Brubaker. The soundtrack for the show is brought to you by PremiumBeats.com. Please like, subscribe, and follow me on the Twitter machine, personal at MattBrew3, the show at Brew & Company. Thanks so much for listening, and remember, life isn't about the people you meet, but about the company you keep. Until next payday, cheers. Cheers.